everyone, welcome to series one of Behind the Artist podcast with me, Sophie Skelton. I founded Behind the Artist back in March of 2023, interviewing an array of fantastic pioneering artists, giving an insight behind the artist and their work. I am fascinated by learning the process of how one's imagination can transpire into a work of art and become a masterpiece, treasured by society for years to come. As I delve into the personal lives of the artist, I will discover the highs of pursuing their passion as a career and explore the challenges they may endure as an artist in a modern society. Joining me on today's podcast is Jackson Reedy, known for his exceptional realist portraits. He incorporates old masters techniques while producing narratives fitting to the 21st century. Hello Jackson, um, how are you today? Hi Sophie, um, I'm doing well. Um, I, I was just commenting how um, there's a snowstorm starting right now as we speak. I can see right outside my window, the snow is coming down hard and there's like a blizzard warning in my area but I'm, you know, nice and warm in the studio here and I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. Yeah, oh, me as well. So I'm going to start really with um, when was the moment that you knew that you wanted to actually become an artist? Yeah, um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I've, I've always loved, you know, art and drawing and especially drawing ever since I was a little kid. And I remember, you know, some of my earliest memories, we used to have this little coffee table when I was like a three, four-year-old kid my mom would put on some Disney movie and I had these black magic markers and just like white, you know, printer computer paper. And I would just draw either the characters from the movie that I was watching or copying something from a cereal box, whatever. And I was always told like, you know, as a kid that like, oh, you know, you're, you're really good at this, whatever. And of course you look at these drawings now and they're like, you know, it looks like a four or five year old made them sort of a thing. But, you know, I guess compared to other kids, they, they showed that, you know, there'd be some little details in there, maybe a little shading going on things that, you know, you don't normally see from a kid that age. And, I think like from that young age, I kind of like attached my identity onto that. Like, oh, you know, like I'm a good drawer. This is something that I can do, whatever. And, and so I think there's a part of me that's kind of always known, you know, if I could do anything, I'd love to be an artist. Like that would be great. But, um, you know, as I grew up and went on through high school and stuff, I mean, I, I got a lot more involved in sports and had, you know, other interests that kind of pulled me other directions and things. But I think like drawing was kind of this like one constant it was kind of in the background, but it was always something that I could kind of go back to and something that I always really loved and enjoyed. And uh, when I, and then when I went to college, it was time to decide my major. And I took a, a an oil painting class um, and we were working on a still life. And I remember there was like one night where it was like 2 a.m. And I think my friends were, you know, out doing something at some party somewhere, whatever. And I, I got the call, you know, that, you know, hey, you want to come join us, whatever. And I was like, I do, but I think I'd even rather be here working on this painting, you know, because it just just felt like that's where I needed to be at the time. And so it was right around my freshman year of college where I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to see if I can try and be an artist. And that was that was back in 2014, I guess. So we're coming up on 10 years of me really knowing this is kind of what I want to do for sure, you know. So Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And how did you... Um... Why did you decide to go into oil painting? Why is it oils in particular that really interested you? Yeah, well, I, that was not always the case because I, I did, um, you know, in, in high school, I took art classes every year. And um, I think like a lot of high school art classes are kind of like designed like survey courses where, you know, you do one project with pastels and one project with watercolor and one project in, you know, different media. And you're kind of sampling the, the different media and getting to, you know, try them all out sort of a thing. I remember the oil painting class we took in high school did not go well. I was very confused by it. And I think a lot of people have a similar experience where the first time you use oil paints, it's unlike any other, you know, beast in, in the uh, world of artistic media because it stays wet forever. And there's all these 
fancy chemicals and it's kind of intimidating where you don't know what's what right away and stuff. And I just remember like my colors were all dull and muddy and I was fighting it, you know, and it was just, it was not a good experience. Um, you know, but I, I did like, I always knew that when you go to a museum and you look around, I mean, all the paintings, you know, painted before, you know, modern art before 1920 are pretty much oil on canvas. And that's almost like exclusively if you see paintings. So I, and I, I see what those painters and museums were able to do. And it's like, well, you know, there must be something that I'm doing wrong. And, and if you can get a grip on the medium, the, the sky's the limit for what can be achieved with it. But it's taken me a long, long time to kind of get to know the medium because, I mean, art, of course, it relies on your conceptual knowledge and how you, you know, perceive form and your ideas and stuff. But it also relies on, you know, your comfortability with the medium and how you handle it as a, you know, a physical substance sort of a thing. And I mean, certainly in college, that that oil painting class where it's a little more intensive and kind of you spend more time in the studio, that helped. But it's an ongoing thing. And like, I'm always, you know, becoming more and more familiar with this beast that is oil painting for sure. Yeah, I think that is really interesting because you mentioned in that about sort of like traditional work, um, sort of from like the 19th century and backwards. And I think what, what's interesting, what you've done is you've sort of taken the style and the sort of technique, but then added sort of like a modern twist on it uh, to bring it sort of into the 21st century. So how have you been able to do that? And how have you adapted the old sort of techniques and sort of made them fit into the modern society? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And I, honestly, I could come at, the, come at this question from like a lot of different angles, but I think that, um, well, I'll, I'll kind of talk about my art education because I think that kind of helps to describe my position on that. But what when so I went to art school, I got my BFA, my Bachelor's of Fine Arts in, you know, in America. Yeah. And then I got my MFA, my Master's of Fine Arts. And, um, you know, art college, you know, th there's different schools do th different things better and stuff. But a lot of this like university art education system it, is more concerned with kind of like the ideas that inform your work and having some art history or some theoretical framework to kind of see how your work fits into the you know contemporary landscape. And it's not as concerned you know, with um, the things that like most people, most people from outside the art world would consider art, like, you know, can you draw or paint well or realistically, like a lot of times, you know, like art school doesn't actually like really focus on those things, at least in the university, university system, there's not somebody standing over your shoulder telling you a lot of times, you know, you know, that's too dark, or, you know, oh, your proportions are off, it, it does happen for sure. But that is not the emphasis. And they're more concerned about kind of these bigger ideas. And that kind of explains why a lot of the work you see kind of coming out of the university system is more conceptual or more with kind of an abstract flavor to it. And I, I like work like that, but, you know, I, I've always been really interested in that kind of realistic, you know, work that kind of pays homage to the masters and, you know, the 19th, 18th, 17th century painting, you know, and I think, I, I think it's beautiful. And I love that people are, that are alive are still doing that today in the 21st century. But I just think that like, if you think of the best artists there are of all time, like the great painters, like, you know, Picasso or, you know, like Jacques-Louis David is a great example of what I'm about to talk about. And that is that they they really like make work that has to do with the time that they're living in. And they're kind of remembered for the era that they occupied. And I just think that, you know, the, we, we think of the 21st century, you know, if, if you don't get too, you know, uh, hoity-toity about it or you don't think too hard about it, it's just your everyday life. It's, a, it's the modern day, it's current times. But, you know, someday people probably look back at, at the 21st century and they'd be like, wow, what a unique time these people were living in. You know, there's all these things going on. And, uh, you know, my work doesn't speak to all facets of 21st century life, but it speaks to some of them, I think. And I and I think if you can, you know, incorporate those things into your work while still, you know, 
uh, incorporating some of those techniques from the past, that's kind of where, you know, I think the ideas and kind of the craftsmanship come together. And that's always like the fa- my favorite kind of work that I like. So I try to have that come across in my work as well. Yeah, I think because what you've done as well is, um, which we talked about before in a previous interview that we did, was the fact that you'd done a commission and you had like Taylor Swift in the commission. But the way that you painted her was in that traditional sort of technique. So it was adding like the modern twist on the old sort of work. Um, And I think it worked really well. Well, thank you. Yeah. But what's funny is that, I mean, that, uh, yeah, that was a commission request. So that wasn't even really my idea, the, the background with that painting. And for, for those who can't see in our just here, our description is basically um, Grant Wood's famous painting, American Gothic, which is, I'm sure you've seen it. It's one of the most famous paintings in the world that's on display at the Chicago Art Institute. So, you know, I grew up, you know, when, when I would go to the Chicago Art Institute, just, you know, I have 45 minutes from my house. That was like the painting I had to see when he visited but I kind of swapped out the man and the woman in that painting with Kanye West and Taylor Swift because the people who commissioned me to make this painting, the you know the the boyfriend in the couple is a is a huge Kanye fan and the girl is a Swifty, you know. So I put them together to kind of occupy um, the the positions of you know these famous you know characters in the in the original painting. And yet, and when I did it, I mean, when you're when you're looking at like reference images of Taylor Swift and Kanye West to put in there, you know, there's all different angles and lighting and stuff. But I really tried to you know the the faces that I paint are kind of this like amalgamation of different you know references online so that I could embody the style of that kind of that you know 1930s oil painting on on beaver board is how Grant Wood originally did it you know when I did some research and I really tried to kind of get the modeling and the same color palette you know that he would have so that it really sells it off as like this is a very convincing kind of like copy if you will you yeah know? like it doesn't look like a photoshop because if you, if you have a photoshop and you just kind of slap it on and I'm sure if you're good enough in photoshop you can get it to look very good but I'm not a Photoshop expert by any means. I did use Photoshop to kind of help me along with that project, but it's really about how it's painted too that really kind of sells it off as that authentic thing. And I, I mean, I'm always very critical of my work. I don't know how well I would have done that, but it's nice to hear that, you know, somebody thinks it looks good and I, the clients were happy too, so. Well, when you're doing these pieces of work, whether it's a portrait or whether it's one of your like um, still life pieces or um, you also do like pop art as well, how do you pick the objects in the pieces and what do the objects normally mean to you? So um, I know with your pop art, for example, you sort of put like an amalgamation of different um, pieces in there pointing to different things. Like one of them had like an Andy Warhol reference in. So how do you pick the objects? Yeah. Um, well, so, so the, the pop art paintings that you're talking about, that was really more of a, uh, that was kind of my body of work that I was doing throughout my art education. So in undergrad, I kind of started these, these pop collage paintings and then I pursued that and hit it even further in grad school kind of. And again, when you're in art school, you know, they're very concerned with the ideas and kind of what the work says about culture. Um, you know, whereas if the, if the goal of the work is to just purely be aesthetic or purely be beautiful, it doesn't have to say much, you know, that's really not, you don't have to have a lot of symbolic effect. I think of course, like the best artwork does have that symbolic meaning on top. But, you know, when I was doing those pop art collages, I was trying to pick symbols that, you know, would kind of say something when they were all put, you know, in connection with each other. But again, now that I'm kind of out of the yoke of the university and I don't have to kind of like cater to, to having an artist statement that goes with everything and, you know, citing, you know, sources and stuff, Honestly, like my, my criteria now is just like, will it look cool? That's what I think about. Like, yeah. will it look cool? You know, like, and 
I'm, I'm confident that like, if, if it looks cool to me, you know, it may not look cool to everybody, but somebody else is going to think it looks cool too, you know? So whether that be like a basket of apples where the light's hitting it just real nice and this, the skin of the apple is, you know, kind of going from that yellow to green, you know, that's, that's a very simple thing that, you know, light does. And I can do my best kind of articulate that with oil paint in this like beautiful way, just cause it looks cool. But if that's like a, a advertisement from the 1980s of Joe Camel second smoking a cigarette in a hot tub, you know, like I, I could be flipping through a magazine and I'd stop and go, Oh, that's kind of cool. You don't see that kind of advertisement anymore. And I think that looks cool too. And I think that a lot of artists kind of have their, their thing that they do, you know, and their kind of interest and you can kind of see their work and tell it, it's theirs immediately. And I think that's starting to become more and more true for me, but I don't ever want to be, you know, inhibited by, you know, he's the guy that does this or does that. Like I, I want, I just want to paint stuff that I think will look cool, you know, and oil painting does lots of things. Well, it can tell stories. It can elicit emotion, but really, I mean, I think it's, it's just cool to look at. It's this unique substance that comes out of this tube and it's like shiny, you know, creamy putty. And then you put it on canvas. And if you really know what you're doing with it, the effects that you can get with it are just unlike anything else in the world. It's beautiful to look at. So you really got to like lean into that with the paint. So paint stuff that looks cool with the coolest looking substance ever. And I think you got a recipe for, you know, stuff that people want and they want to look at too. Yeah, I think um, when, when you're doing like your portraits, um, how do you really capture the sitter's personality? I've only like in the last like three or four years is when I've really been pursuing the portraiture like um, with the intent that like, oh, I, I might want to be like a professional portrait artist. But, you know, in, in that time, I've kind of improved and I've gotten a better sense of kind of how to go about the process. And one thing that I recognize right away is that if I if I know the, the sitter a little bit, even just a little bit, even if we've hung out for an hour beforehand or, you know, gotten a drink at a bar somewhere, that goes a long way in kind of just like sussing out their personality, kind of like what vibe I want to imbue in the piece. And like a lot of times if I'm painting like friends, I know them, you know, much better than that. So it's kind of easy to kind of, you know, lean into some like colors or an outfit that kind of fits their personality, you know, but even if, uh, you know, even if um, somebody that I've never met before kind of hits me up through my website or over email and they want me to paint so-and-so, I want to make an effort and maybe hop on a Zoom call to kind of get to know them a little bit because that like that that conversation that like initial meet and greet it really does go a long way in kind of establishing the vibe because i mean when it comes to getting a likeness as long as you know the eyes are the correct distance apart and you know the features are in the right place i mean your drawing's got to be very very good and i don't want to undersell it as like it's as easy thing to do because i mean I i've had portraits where you're fighting the likeness for session after session just covering up what you just painted and it's so hard to get so i don't mean to undersell it but the getting a likeness is one of those things where I mean, eventually you'll get it right. If you keep working on the painting, if you keep measuring, you're, you're going to have to go back and retrace your steps and stuff. But it's this thing that like is kind of objectively achievable if you continue to just go after and go after it, you know. But in terms of like setting setting a scene and like getting a portrait that again will look cool and kind of fit the vibe of the person you're sitting for, that's something that you only have kind of one shot at. And you can, you know, do do sketches and, you know, do lots of planning and have this vision in your head. But you don't really know what it's going to be like until either you have that photo shoot or the model sitting there in their attire sort of a thing. So that's what that's where uh, kind of the art is. And it reminds me of a quote by Andrew Loomis, who a lot of people might have read Andrew Loomis's books on figure drawing and, and painting, painting the head and stuff. But he's got this quote that I love that's I, I'm going to get it slightly off here, but it's something along the lines of um, uh, all the art is in the planning um the rest is just good craftsmanship or, or just good carpentry i think he calls it so like the art of it all is kind of in the planning and kind of the ideas and then you know getting it to again like look good and, and all that stuff that's the carpentry and again equally important and i, and I don't want to undersell it because 
that's difficult enough. That's endlessly, infinitely difficult in its own right. But that's where the carpentry kind of comes in. It's and it's separate than that. You know, setting the scene for the portrait. So, yeah. And how can we like see um, you in the portraits that you create? So, is there an element that we can sort of look at and be like, oh, I can, or like you'll be like, oh, I can see myself in this, or someone will be able to see part of you in them? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't know if that's uh, I don't know if that's as true for me as it is for some artists. And I think the longer I paint portraits specifically, that will become more and more evident. But it, it, it's funny that uh, I, I mean, from from like a conceptual standpoint, that it's very difficult for me to answer because like without you know playing like psychologist with with myself, like I, I don't know how to like answer that right away. But I have noticed that there are certain things that like or certain like habits that I developed again like as a young artist, kind of not really knowing what I was doing. And I noticed like in a lot of my portraits, there's something like I, I have a tendency to kind of like put like a bigger chin on a lot of them than maybe is, is there in reality. I, I, I do some weird things with mouths where my mouths a lot of times like look similar and not always in the best way either. But the mouths are something that I kind of I don't know if I, if I struggle with or they kind of have like my look to them. There's certain ways that I like paint eyes too, where I don't, they get sometimes the pupils a little over articulated. And these are things that I've kind of become more aware of and I'm trying to kind of correct and adjust. But I also think that like, you know, you look at, there's so many great artists on Instagram and stuff that I follow and I aspire to and stuff. And you look at what they do. And I'm always just jealous of like, man, like I wish I could paint like that. And of course you want to be like as, as technically, you know, proficient as you can. And you want to be the best that you can from, you know, the objective measures. But there's also these elements where like, if you naturally do something, don't, don't like purposely like turn down the opportunity. Like you kind of, kind of, you got to kind of lean into who you are as an artist and there should be some, you know, originality or, or things that kind of are, are unique to you. So I think it's like this balancing act where you, you want it to like look, you know, universally like acceptably like good, but you don't want to like become somebody else or impersonate another artist. Like you gotta, you gotta naturally kind of lean into these things that you do kind of like quirky or whatever. And I think just people, I think that comes down to like making a lot of paintings and, you know, you don't find your voice after making 20 oil paintings. It takes, you know, 100, 200, 300 paintings where you're like, this is kind of how I hold the brush. These are the mediums that I use. This is how I apply it. You know, what, what kind of motion stuff like that. And it, it, it's, it's fascinating how, you know, like if you, if you ever are in an oil painting class and the, and the teacher sets like an apple on a table and everybody in the class has to paint an apple on a table, all from the same perspective, same lighting, everybody's looking at the same thing, painting it no two of those paintings are going to look the exact same. And e even in like an atelier where people kind of have, you know, the, this is how it should look. Here's the rubric of what we're grading on. You can still see differences in the brushwork and the way it's rendered and stuff like that. And it, it might be more and more sensitive that your eye has to be to kind of pick on the, those things up. But it, it, like painting is like handwriting and that no two are the same. Like there's always going to be some differences. And I just think that's so fascinating. And you really got to kind of lean into your handwriting. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, the thing as well is um, when you're painting, I know you said that obviously, you know, you're, you're realising that you're doing different things or, and that you're picking things out that you're doing. What's been to you the most interesting thing that you've learned about yourself while you've been painting? Be being being uh, like a painter has definitely taught me patience more than anything. Um, I, I don't know if that's like my, my personality naturally is like one that's very patient. I'm kind of somebody that in my personal life, when I want something to get done, like it better get done or I'm going to be like, you know, crabby and kind of like bad to be around, you know, but, you know, paintings are things that like you can't necessarily rush. You know, it's like that, 
the the old guy that fixes up Woody in Toy Story 2, if you've ever, ever seen that movie, he says, you can't rush art, his famous quote. I mean, that is, that is so true. Like, you really can't rush it. And, and just by the nature of oil painting, too, being this slow-drying thing that a lot of times you're working with tiny little brushes and you got this big, giant canvas to fill, it's not really something that you can rush. So I, I think patience is certainly, like, one thing that it's taught me. And I, I guess, uh, like, another comment on that would be, like, um, I, I know there's, like, this big thing, like, a lot of times, like, football coaches – they're, they're known for like extrapolating lessons from football and bringing them out to life at large. And like, you know, what happens on the gridiron is what happens in your life. And, you know, there, there's, you know, hardship and adversity and all these things, whatever. And I'm, I'm one of these people that were like, I almost take like painting and extrapolate it out to life because it, it's, and I mean, when you're spending eight hours a day in your studio, you know, you can only listen to so many podcasts and songs and TV shows and stuff before you just sometimes just have to sit in silence and be there with your thoughts, whatever. And you start again, like extrapolating, like what's happening on the Eastland? Like, how does that relate to like me and my personal life and what, what's happening and stuff? Or even how does my progression through oil painting kind of like mimic, you know, like the different art movements and waves. And you can, who knows how accurate all these things are, but you just see all these little connections that are, that are in place too. So I'm always thinking about what painting kind of like teaches me and how it informs my personality and stuff. And I, I think the other big one in addition to patience would be like competitiveness, honestly. And I think, yeah. That, that has a lot to do with my background as like an athlete. Like, you know, I, I played football, I wrestled, I played baseball in high school. And then in college, I boxed. And even to this day, like pretty much every Saturday, almost without exception, I watched the, the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is like mixed martial arts, which it's pretty rare to find painters that are going to be big UFC fans. But like, that's that's what I love. Like, that's my like entertainment, you know, and a lot of times I'll just watch the UFC and be painting here. And if, like, if you're into like, if like that's your hobby, it makes sense that like you're going to be kind of, competitive in other aspects of your life and I definitely have this attitude with painting where like I want I want mine to be like good or you know like I want to be the best when I'm painting sort of thing and I certainly don't think I'm the best by any means but it's like this attitude and the spirit and, the, and there's like this constant thing of like you know you're you're your own worst critic and I'm I'm you know merciless on my kind of critiques of my own paintings you know which is you know so but I think that's kind of the attitude you have to have if you want to improve and I think that I've definitely been improving over the last few years so I'm going to keep that attitude going until they're kind of at, a, at the place that I want them to be. But hopefully in one way, I'm kind of hoping that that point never arrives, you know, because that way there's always like a new destination or a new goal to be hitting. And uh, so that competitiveness or that like that drive in a way is something that painting has kind of, I don't know, taught me as well. Where do you sort of get the drive from? Apart from, I guess, um, you know, being into sport and things like that. Where do you think that's originally come from? Yeah, well, I think I, one thing I mentioned right at the beginning of our discussion was that I think from like a young age, I kind of like latched my identity onto this guy that was like, you know, I'm I'm good at art, like I'm the art kid, you know, or like I'm I'm good at drawing, and they're like, I don't know, there's there's lots of there's plenty of things in this life that I'm not good at, you know, and it, it actually cracks me up because like, um, you know, when I'm like hanging out with my friends or my college buddies, we play like uh, pool or billiards, whatever, and I'm just like I suck, like I'm I'm absolutely terrible. I go bowling, you know, I'm not good at it. I get it. Ice skating, you know, swimming, like there's all these things like I'm terrible at, you know, and, but because like, I've never really made the effort to like get good at them. I've, I'm very easy to forgive myself or like, I don't, I don't really care that I'm not doing well. Like I would never bet money on this sort of a thing. I'm just kind of hanging out with the guys, you know, killing time. It's an excuse to be social sort of a thing. So I don't care that I'm, you know, if, if I'm not good at those things, but something that where like, it's my paid profession that I spend you know, again, hours and hours a day trying to be good at, it's important to me that like I excel at that thing that I put that amount of dedication and effort into, you know, like it would be, would be like 
just this waste of like my time and effort if it, if it wasn't like somehow manifesting itself in this way that I do it. So I just think like, um, I think that if you have like a, like a high self-esteem or like, um, like it almost comes naturally that if you're going to like put all this effort into this thing, you might as well, you know, be good at it. And, th and there's, um, it, it's kind of imposter syndrome, but, but there's one of these things that happens where like a lot of people, I like, put like a ceiling on themselves for kind of how good they, they can, they can be at something. And they, just cause like literally in their, like in their imagination, they can't like imagine themselves like eclipsing the point that they're at. And I think that I've been through, through stages where, I've certainly like been at the ceiling and I just like knock on it, knock on it, but I like fail to like kind of break through. And I think, and again, in the last few years, I've kind of had these moments where, you know, you like claw through and you like, and, and you're at this new like level and you're kind of keep going up the rungs. And I think, I think I finally like know what it feels like to kind of hit that next level, but I'm just trying to like push it and push it until I'm kind of on the level of these artists that again, like I aspire to that, you know, in my mind are still like so superior to me, but I'm, I'm young, I'm 27. And I think that, you know, 20, 30, 40 more years of like hard painting, like I'm doing, I, I'm confident that I'll, you know, get there as well. So I'm just looking forward to that moment. <laughs> you actually said in the interview that I did with you before, that you still don't believe in your own words that you've created a great painting yet. Because you sort of described that it takes like a 100, I think you said a 100 paintings to make like a good painting. And then you said it would take like a 1000 to make a great one and then you said that you feel like you hadn't achieved like that great stage yet and do you think that you put a lot of pressure on yourself when you're painting yeah well I don't know, but that that kind of comes from like um I don't know think think of any great painter like uh whether that be you know John Singer Sargent or Bouguereau or Raphael and I mean if you're an art history nerd you can probably rattle off you know, a dozen paintings that each of these guys did, whatever I, I, I probably could, you know, but you know, how, how, uh, you know, the culture at large kind of remembers these people. They might only be remembered for, you know, like one or two paintings or a handful of paintings. And these are artists that, you know, Raphael's a little different. He died when he was 37, I think, but I think Bouguereau has like 900 paintings attributed to him. And I think, you know, most people only probably recognize like a, a handful of them, which is crazy. But, and I mean, I think that Bouguereau has like a lot of great paintings, but the ones that are like really remembered and kind of push the needle and are these like, you know, th there's that, the, the idea or that avant-garde, like new idea comes together with the craftsmanship and it's this, this like perfect, you know, meshing. I just think it's like this very rare thing or, or think of how many, you know, people are into music and how many people play guitar and sing and stuff and think of like the greatest pop songs of all time and just how short that list is and how many, people have like been writing music for decades and like, it's just very rare to like yeah. arrive at one of those things, like a real masterpiece, you know? So it's not this easy thing and it takes so many, and when, when I call them failures, I don't mean like, Oh, nobody likes it because of course, you know, and, and this is all relative too, because again, like to people that are not used, like looking at art or great paintings, they see, you know, a painting that is probably like fine by my standards. And they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's just, it, it's blown me away. And, you know, obviously it's great to hear that. And uh, of course, like to based on the criteria and the standard and stuff, I mean, that that's wonderful to hear, but you know, like when it comes to your own like personal devotion and kind of your own, like a uh, very sensitive criteria that have been like molded by years of like doing this thing. It's just like uh, in pursuit of that real masterpiece is kind of like, yeah, it's just a very difficult, rare thing in nature, you know? I think, um, when when I've interviewed um, a lot of other artists, your interview has really stood out in the fact that I think 
you're quite you're obviously very driven with what you do and you have that sort of end goal to in a way be like you know one of the masters of this generation and I think a lot of people they would be like oh well I'm going to do this painting and um, if someone likes it then they like it and then they just keep sort of going on like that whereas I think you're different in the fact that you really are ambitious and you want you want that sort of um, not the fame I guess but you want to be recognised um, and I think that you have that sort of courage to do that which a lot of artists sadly like don't seem to have. I always ask every single person why do you think art is important in society um, and I think you're the only person ever that's actually said that you didn't think it was to start off with um, and I found that really interesting and I've had so many people actually message me and say how interesting the interview was and the fact that you have a completely different perception um, to all the other artists on there but I actually found you know your reasoning behind that really interesting so if you could just sort of explain I guess a bit further of why um, you sort of thought that art actually isn't as important in society? I think people people's like motivation for being an artist, I mean, it comes from like a thousand different places. And for a lot of people, art is art is like a therapeutic thing or, or it's, um, I don't know, it's like this uh, this restful, like almost like healing activity, you know, or, and this, it's this avenue of self-discovery, you know, it's, it's lots of different things to lots of different people. And, and like you said, some people are just happy to make a painting and then put it out there and hope somebody likes it. And they're just kind of do what they do because, you know, they enjoy doing it. And it's true. Like, I, I love painting, like, more than anything. If I have my, you know, after I, I, other than eating and sleeping, it's probably, like, this thing I spend the most time doing in the world. And I'm very glad that's the case. And I don't take it for granted. But, yeah, when, when it comes to, like, that idea of, like, actually you know, like wanting to be the, wanting to be the best. This is something that I've kind of been turned on to recently. And there was actually, it was probably like a year and a half ago. I was listening to a podcast with one of my favorite artists on it and Will St. John, who he's, he's one of my favorite painters, terrific portrait painter. You should check out his work if you're not familiar with him. But um, I was listening to him on a podcast and he, he was asked a question by whoever was interviewing him. And he just had the attitude where he was like, no, like, I just want to be the best. Like, I want to be the best painter, like in the world, pretty much. And I might be paraphrasing or like over embellishing it. But I was listening to this podcast. And I was just like, huh, like, I've never heard an artist talk like that before. And I was yeah. like, that is like, so strange. But then I was like, but that's like, that's kind of like what I want too. like, and I loved how he just was like, unashamedly, like saying that, because of course, that's kind of like this, there's some vanity in that. And there's some, some like, um, I don't know, like self-conceited, like notion sort of, but he made a case where he's like, no, like I spend all my time doing this. This is like what I love. Like, why wouldn't I want to be remembered as like, you know, one of the great like painters of my generation sort of thing. And I was just kind of like, you know, like, I mean, people, people might like have their, their thoughts or whatever, but you don't have to be like embarrassed if that's the case. And I was like, I almost had to like admit to myself in the moment. I was like, I like like what does the way this guy is talking kind of since then, like, that's when I kind of was like, Oh, I think, I think that might be the case for me as well. And then it was also one of those ones where I just talked about like breaking through a ceiling. I was like, if that's like the case, like if that's what you really want, you need to start like making like leaps and like improving, you know? So that like just hearing that attitude alone, I think that did so much for like, you know, my decisions like going forward as an artist. Like if that's like what the goal actually is, you better start like acting like it and like putting yeah. in the work because just like, you know, 
I'm, I'm painting, you know, you know, I'm, or I'm spending some time experimenting with colors, whatever. That's not, I mean, that might be how it happens, but I'm, I'm like, I think a, a more structured approach is probably the, the way to go if it's like a real goal that you have. So that, that would be part one of the, the question. And then part two about art's place in society. I think that, um, I don't know, I think that a lot of artists have this position that, you know, art is this like, because you, because you do it and because it's your thing, it's this very important thing and everybody should care. And I just think that like, like I've got a very, I don't know, my, my worldview is like the, the everybody's got their, their worldview and I've got this yeah. very, I don't know, I don't know what you would even call it. But like, if you take humanity, first off, I think it's a miracle that humanity is even here and that we've made it this far into the 21st century. And I'm talking to you on like a laptop yeah. right now, like this technology. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. If you ever take a step back and like, see what's really going on on planet earth, it's nuts. And there's so many things that have had to go right and fall in place for uh, human beings to even be here. And then, you know, for us to be at this point where we can e even discuss art and have things like an art market where people are buying and selling art, you know, cause I mean, for that to happen, I mean, people got to have houses to live in. They've got to be, you know, warm in the winter. They need access to water and food. And there's all these like objective needs, you know, that you know, medicine comes in sometime, you know, in the last hundreds of years of things that people, you know, start to need ahead of art. So like, like, again, if you think of like human civilization, it's like a football field, you know, they're like every yard markers, like these like things we need. Art is like the last like two yards before the goal line, you know? So it's like, it's this very small sliver of like, nobody really needs it, you know, but it, it's, it's kind of there. And so, so that's kind of one attitude I have about it. But the other attitude is kind of like, Art is also what makes us like human beings and these kind of like these special creatures on the planet, because of course we have our technology and in engineering and infrastructure, but it's really art that kind of like gives us our like divinity is like, not, not that, not that human beings are, I mean, again, depending on your perspective with religion, all these things, human beings are very special creatures. Like it's clear, just look out across the landscape at kind of what we've done and how we've altered it with these very special, you know, creatures. And it's very cool that we're here and art is this like ultimate expression of who we are. And I think in that regard, it's like, it's very important, you know, but it's just, it, it comes so much at the end of like all those other things that have to kind of fall in place. And I just think that like, there's a lot of artists that really think that, you know, they're just as important as somebody that builds bridges or invents, um, you know, uh, what's medicines or something like that, where it's like, I mean, realistically artists are not like on that level of like, they need to be here. But when we have all those other things accounted for, I mean, what, what a cool thing that artists, you know, have to do or get, get, to, get to step in and do and really put that stamp of like, th like, this is our expression. Like, this is what we hold important to ourselves sort of a thing. And I just think that if you've got, if you've got this huge responsibility to kind of come in for those last two yards and kind of push us across the goal line, you better, you know, take your job as seriously as, you know, people that do these other hard things, you know, that have, you know, put humanity in the place that it is. So I like, I think it's important. I didn't mean to undersell that it's not important, but I just think that on the, on this hierarchy of like things that have to go correctly, it's not on the level of some of those other ones, but it is, you know, surely important indeed. But like pe for people listening to, they have to understand this is just my perspective, you know, and like, don't let anything that I would say, like this, or like take you away from doing art because the more people that are making art, I mean, I think the better off we all are. So yeah. I I'm on this podcast to give kind of my perspective. Like I'm the one being interviewed, you know, <laughs> but don't, don't like, you know, please challenge like what I say and stuff and don't take, what I'm saying is just like, you know, that, no, oh, that, that's how things are then, you know, because I'm sure that like w when I listen to this podcast, even like a year from now, or God forbid, like five years from now, I'll just be like, Oh my God, I can't believe some of the stuff you were saying, you know, sort of thing. And that's how I've like always been like, you, you always like look at yourself from 
a few years ago and the ideas and beliefs that you had and you're like, ugh, you know, I, I like, I, I, even I look at the art or the paintings I made five years ago and I'm just like, ugh, you know, so this is my perspective right right now coming to you. But I mean, the, the spirit of a podcast is kind of get ideas out there and, you know, open this, you know, free discussion and debate and sort of a thing. So hopefully my perspective is something like non-standard or, or not so typical. And I get to, we kind of get to throw that into the fire here and, you know, get cooking with some more ingredients just with my perspective, even if it may be unique or not the typical one. I personally absolutely love the fact that, you know, I've got all these different types of artists that are on the podcast and they all have different views and different subject matters that they're interested in. And I think that's great. And I think art is meant to, is meant to create discussion. And that is the whole point of it. You're meant to look at a piece say in a gallery or online and you're meant to look at it and it's meant to provoke a discussion and I think that if it doesn't then it's not necessarily a good piece of art. I know that um, you'd actually said that um, you were talking about how you actually believe that you should be comparing yourself to others which is sort of like along the lines of what you were saying before and like why do you think that it is important to do that when you're an artist it depends on your goals for sure because again like if art is like a more therapeutic thing for you or it's this hobby i mean maybe maybe comparing yourself to others is not the best thing but if if there's like a certain look you're going for or a certain quality you know i I think that is the only way and there's there's um because art is such a subjective field especially contemporary art i think that there's a lot of um there's a lot of this like philosophy out there that is, you know, don't compare yourself to others sort of thing. And I think it's, it's pervaded the culture that we live in in general too. And I think it takes a, like a, a bit of like a swallowing of like the pill of reality that like, no, like sometimes that's like what needs to happen actually, you know? And again, this is the controversial. I don't mean to like open a Pandora's box or, you know, can of worms sort of a thing, but I think sometimes comparing yourself is the way to go. And I don't want, I don't want people to their mental health to suffer for doing so or, you know, to feel, you know, bad about themselves, but just know that like, uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm probably a painter that again, I don't by any means think I'm this like great, extraordinary painter, but there's probably some artists out there. They look at my work and they're like, Oh wow. I would like to paint like that guy. You know, just know that I compare myself to artists all the time. And I feel terribly about my work because I'm like, I am, you know, not on that level sort of a thing, but I don't, I don't have this attitude like, well, I, well, I should just stop. You know, I have this attitude like, no, I'm not where I want to be. How do I get there? And then, and then I get to carve out this game plan and then I get to like work hard towards that goal. And it's, it's this like fun thing that you get to do. And, and that kind of goes with like, uh, I've heard this described before. I, I can't remember who did it, but there's kind of two kinds of fun in the world. And there's like this um, like fun that happens right now where, you know, maybe you've had a few drinks or like you're on a roller coaster and it's just like wild, like, whoa, like the adrenaline's pumping or you're in the middle of like laughing, like hilariously with your friends. And it's like fun. It's right now. And then there's fun that kind of like sucks right now, but when you look back on it, you'll like be like, oh, like that was a lot of fun. Like maybe there was a time, you know, you were stranded, you know, out of your apartment, you know, in, in the freezing cold or whatever, and you couldn't get back in. And it's like at the time, like it sucks. But when you look back, you're like, okay, yeah, that was kind of funny. You see the humor in it. Or there's things like where, um, you know, like, I don't know if maybe you, again, like a lot of this has to do with sports where, you know, going to boxing practice and getting sparring with people and getting beat up is not fun. Like you've got black eyes and you're like, oh, is my tooth in the wrong spot? But then, you know, over over time, like you see your physique improve and you can feel your your endurance get better. And there's this thing there's this thing that's fun about it, where even though it's hard and it like sucks and you're getting beat up by people that are better than you, 
like you st- like six months later, you're like, oh, I'm a better boxer than I was back then. And it's this like kind of brutal fun, but it is like fun to see yourself improve and do it. And again, if you can extrapolate like those lessons from your personal life and bring them into your painting, it's like, it's fun to like compare yourself and be like, I'm not where I want to be now, but I don't have to like give up or, or be defeated. Like I can't improve. Like the path is like always like there for you to keep going in the right direction. I think, um, no, that was really interesting. If you were to pick one artist, who would be your role model? I mean, I, I think I look up to to different artists for different things. So like, for, for example, I've been reading a lot about Peter Paul Rubens recently, um, who was, a, he was like a contemporary of Rembrandt. He was like the Flemish Baroque painter of uh, of the 17th century. And what like, uh, I, I've always liked his work. It's a little weird. Like he's, he does some things with his, lines and his bodies where you know the the women are very very curvy and it's very frilly and stuff and it's like it's like catholic baroque like to a t like when you close your eyes and think of like baroque art it's probably like a peter paul rubens painting so it's kind of weird but i've been reading about him from like a like a businessman standpoint and like this workshop that he occupied and just how like prolific he was just painting after painting and like math like giant masterpieces and employing like you know assistants and stuff like that and like I've, I've gotten, I've grown this like tremendous respect for him. Like he, uh, of course, as like an artist as the painter, but almost as like this industrious entrepreneurial guy for his age. And like William Beardstadt is another one of those artists, the Hudson River School painter, the German in America. Like there's, so like, uh, again, his paintings are unbelievable, but it's like this industrious, this like entrepreneurial spirit about him where I'm like, oh my, like, I, I just appreciate yeah. that so much. And then like a painter like Sargent, who I've already brought up, but you just look at his like brushwork and you're just like, what the hell like that is it's so good it's just like crazy like the economy of of form and just the color the color choices and stuff it's just like like literally like melt in your mouth like holy crap that like brushwork is just unbelievable and i mean i think for for as many good things there are about sergeant heat you can critique him as well and say you know he just painted like high society and he used women as uh you know coat coat racks basically to put clothing on them sort of a thing even though that, that's one criticism. I, th- I think he's a terrific painter. I could be wrong. So, but people definitely have their problems with, with him and stuff like that. So I think I look at, you know, different painters for different things. And again, that ranges anywhere from how they construct form or they're like, a, I look at Raphael and I'm like the drawing and like the outline and like the clarity and stuff. So I think that, um, I, I just think, I think I look at too many artists and like different things about them that I admire. Whereas like, it's hard to find one where I just like, I, I, I want to be them, you know, like, I think you got to take what you like about the others and, Again, like that doesn't just happen overnight. I think you you really got to be a student of art history and kind of get a, a big sampling for many paintings, many painters kind of take, refine your taste for kind of what it is you like and what you're looking for. And, and just to piggyback off that, one thing that I've done over the last few years that has been huge for me in that regard is I've got this little side Instagram account I have called Make Painting Cool Again. And uh, every day for like the last, I don't know, two and a half years or whatever, I've po- I posted a different painting just with a little blurb, just like, you know, three to four sentences about kind of what I like about it. And they range anywhere from like, you know, the 1400s to like paintings made like a week ago from different artists and stuff. And I've got a few repeat artists on there, but I think I'm up to like 920 posts or so. Mm-hmm. So I posted 900, 900 different paintings. And I think they're from about 800 different artists. And that has really like opened up my doors and really kind of helped me refine what I like, like you know, as, as an artist. And it's like this thing that it's like a chore some mornings where I wake up and make the coffee and I've got to like find a painting and then like talk about it. But after forcing myself to do it, it's one, again, it's like one of those things that it's not fun every morning when I do it, but when I look back and I can scroll and scroll and right it, when I'm starting a project, I'm like, 
I know I posted one like a year ago and I get to scroll back and find that painting and I can like use it as a model for what I like about it. That's, that's fun to me, you know? Yeah, no. Oh, that's really interesting. How do you handle um, criticism? And do you think that you handle that in a constructive way or um, do you take it more personally? Yeah, well, I, I don't want this to sound like arrogant, but whenever you're getting criticism in art, you need to take into consideration who you're getting it from because there's uh, art art it's such, that's such a, a meatball of a word it can mean so many different things and especially in contemporary art and you know people have different preferences and different tastes and different aesthetics in art so like um when, when it when people give you feedback on their work take into account kind of their perspective and kind of where they're coming from because if it's somebody that is a you know a conceptual artist and they're critiquing your work and you're not interested in being a conceptual artist i mean of course, like take their thing into account and be aware of that, like feedback or that commentary or how they're perceiving it. But if their if their standards don't align with your goals, you know, find somebody that does or somebody whose work you admire. And like one thing that I've been doing more so is these painters that uh, you know I really aspire to be. It's hard it's hard to get a hold of a lot of them because they've got such big follower counts, and you know your message will just get kind of lost in the uh, lost in the sauce of their DMs and stuff. But I've gotten in touch with a few of them. Um, that have, you know, given really great feedback. And again, I went to them because, you know, I value their perspective. Like they do what I want to do and then they get back to me and then I get, you know, real feedback. Whereas like, you know, just asking my mom, I, luckily my mom, like after years of doing this, she's become pretty brutal on me and she can like, you know, I might think something's done and then I'll send her a picture and she'll be like, uh, -uh you can do better sort of a thing. So that that's good. But a lot of times like, you know, mom, mom or dad is a typical like, oh, sweetie, you know, it looks so great. Whereas like, you know, that again, that's nice to hear, but sometimes that's not what you need to hear if, you know, the goals for the work are different when that kind of their expectations. And what do you think your goals are for the future then? What um, in the sort of next 10 years, like where do you want to be in your career? The goal someday is that I'm like a, like a totally self-sustaining artist. I mean, I've, I've got like total creative freedom where, you know, I could take commissions, but you know, only if they're like so good that I can't refuse you know, sort of a thing like that. That's and otherwise I just get to make my work, my paintings and, you know, people are bidding on them before they're even, you know, off the easel sort of a thing. That would be great. And I'd like a big studio. I'd like, you know, a family with a nice, you know, stable house, but just like re really like just a stable environment where I have creative freedom to kind of paint and kind of come up with all the paintings I want to make before I'm dead is like the goal. And however that happens, of course, you know, to do it like in a, in a luxury, luxurious or stylish way would be great, but I'm not expecting that to be the case. Like, you know, the last, especially like when you're starting out, it, it can be, it can be very hard just being an artist. And I, I've been, I'm coming up on almost four years now of being a full-time painter. And there have been many, many sleepless nights where I'm like, I'm waiting for a commission to come in, or I'm looking at my, you know, my Excel sheets and my budgets. And I'm like, I better find something to do quick here or whatever, you know, because it is a, it's not a stable thing being like a, a self-employed artist, you know, and I think that, you know, when you get to that top high level where there's real demand for your product, I think that probably changes then, or at least I'm hoping there is, because that's kind of what I'm planning on doing, but it's not a, it's not an easy thing. You know, there's, there's for all the pros that come with being an artist, there's an equal amount of cons and risk and stuff associated with the two. And it has not always been easy weathering the storm, you know, so there's a, but yeah, just to get, do, do away with most of the cons would be my goal where I can just, you know, be in that, like, you know, I, I'm just in the painting zone all the time is, is kind of all I can ask for. I mean, the, the people that succeed are the people that, again, just continue just like 
bang, bang. You know, like for, in my case, like I'm just making paintings, making paintings. And you, you know, whether that, that be the interviews or the podcast or whatever, I mean, if you, if you really like live in the world, I mean, that's how you succeed. And I think that goes for any job across the board. You know, the people that are, are there and just like flies in the wall and always hanging out, you know, in the background so that when opportunity arises, they strike, you know, I, I think that you're like, from what I've seen, you're one of those people. And I'm oh, very happy. excited. Honestly, like, I'm, I'm honored that I got asked as like what the second or third podcast guest here because I have a feeling, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a feeling, but if I ever get invited back again, I'm sure your following will be even then. And I'm just glad I'm in on the ground floor with you because I think that you'll be an, inf an, an influence in the uh, larger art art world someday, hopefully. Oh, so thank just you. Wanted to see that <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah, no, it's really nice to hear that because um, to be fair, every single person that I ask, to come on the podcast I have a genuine in, like interest in their work and um it's great because I get these people on here and I'm like oh my word I can't believe that like I've got you know this artist on the pod uh, on the podcast or on interviews um because I just find them all so interesting to read like and I think that's the thing as well like the whole project and the whole thing is my passion project um and it's never been set out to be a, a business or anything really like that I mean yeah I do have work that I sell on the website and stuff but that's not the that's not the focus um the focus is getting people's art out there and actually finding out about them because to be fair like if you look at a piece of paint like I'm sure that if someone um listening to this now then looks at your work they'll actually maybe understand the work more than if they just look at the painting and they have no clue say of who you were and I think that is why this actually really helps um especially artists when they're wanting to get the work out there um but yeah no thank you so much for talking to me some self-examining tonight for sure <laughs> thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed this podcast if you'd like to read more of my interviews please head to www.behindtheartist.co.uk thank you again and i will see you in the next episode